0: If somebody isn't going to be able to level up as quickly as their area or their team or their role is then how do you make it safe for them to go I, I i think i can do what i'm doing now but i don't think i can do what's needed in three months and actually rewarding people when they say hey i think you need to hire my boss
1: hello and welcome to the zx spectrum podcast where brandon ralph and i take an intergenerational look at tech media the digital space and more In this week's episode, we interview Mary Williams, CTO of Monzo, the digital mobile only bank that's really shaking up the industry. In our chat, we explore Monzo's tremendous growth. At date of recording, they were at 2.8 million customers. But their growth isn't just in account terms, their teams of engineers are getting big too. So, how do you scale a company so rapidly? How do you onboard effectively? And how do you create a truly transparent, people-first culture? We also deep dive into diversity and inclusivity in organisations, or DNI as Mary refers to it, and explore wider issues, including how hopeful and optimistic she is for young people as they adapt to an ever-changing world. But also touch on her concern regarding misinformation or information being weaponised to radicalise people. It was a hugely interesting um, conversation and. All of the topics that we covered were really, really pertinent. So hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to the ZX Spectrum. My name's Lizzie Hodgson. And my name's Brian Ralph. And this week, um, I'm absolutely delighted to say we have Mary Williams. Uh, Mary is the CTO of Monzo Bank, but also just a phenomenal person in anything geeky techy and I've got to say a massive um, advocate of diversity within the workplace and I think generally life full stop. I met Mary for the first time um, a few years ago at an event looking at women in technology it was a a think nation event and just blew me away there so I'm going to shut up now. Mary welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, Do you want to explain a little bit more about why you're you've managed to get this astonishing job?
0: So yes I've, I've Joined Monzo uh, last August, um, and I'm the Chief Technology Officer here. Um, I do a few other things as well. I help run a conference called the Lead Developer, which is for technical leaders um, in London, Berlin, uh, Austin, and New York. Uh, and I'm an advisor for a, a VC called uh, Kindred. Um, I, and I've recently been appointed to Stonewall's board. So I'm uh, enjoying doing uh, many, many things. that I think people call them portfolio careers these days. Yeah. Um, and I suppose I ended up here because I'm. Um, I've had a few roles where I've rapidly scaled teams. So I worked at Procter and Gamble for the first ten years of my career, but then worked at the Government Digital Service and and helped them uh, scale in their uh, initial years, uh, and then a few different things since then, including Moo and Marks and Spencer. Um, so yeah, I suppose I um, came from a very technical background and. Uh, ended up focusing on artificial intelligence and then found computers weren't quite challenging enough, so <laughs> moved on to focusing on people. We, are, we
1: have nothing more challenging than people. And So Monzo, people may have heard a lot about Monzo. You've had a tremendously successful marketing campaign recently that I understand has just seen your numbers grow more and more and more. Why is it so different to any other bank? Um, so I think...
0: The Monzo mission is, is the reason it's so different. So it's about making money work for everyone. Um, and I think the entire focus and purpose being to help people be better in control of their finances is what um, drives customers to like it so much. Um, I think we've also seen um, a real difference in what people's expectations are of of companies that they deal with. So folks who are used to really great user experiences and slick apps and and, um, instant information, having to physically go into a branch to talk to a person about um, something to do with your bank account isn't necessarily something that's high on their list of things to do. I remember
2: when we were setting up our bank accounts for my last company, my business partner was German and so we had to fly him over for like an hour to go to Barclays to go and sign a a piece of paper and get his uh, picture because there was no, the nearest Barclays to him in Germany was um, like, I think like about as far as it was to get here. Um, So it was just like a bit of a, well, we're gonna do that. And it's like, I I find sort of Monzo interesting in that sense because I've followed them since you were Monzo back in the day. Um, because I got sort of introduced to it even before you were a bank, um, and through uh, I think Passion Capital, which were your your seed investors, um, they approached us for some sort of investing, and they they sort of spoke a lot about Mondo and what they were doing, um, and and it's kind of it, I didn't really connect it until a bit later on that Monzo was still Mondo, um, and it's been really sort of interesting to sort of see that aspect. Um, from a, a company that has grown incredibly quickly. Yeah.
1: So, so, to give context, how fast has the growth been?
0: So, the company is four years old um, and got full banking li- license a couple of years ago. And uh, we're now at um, just about two and a half million um, current account customers, um, which is actually really huge. Uh, it's the, an, it's the
1: massive. Tw- ma- yeah, to-
0: massive. Total t- 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 <laughs> market is uh, in the UK is is not not that big. Um, so yes yeah, so, it and has has grown incredibly quickly, so we celebrated our one millionth customer last September, um, and so we're in July now and we're the double yeah <laughs> um, the the recent ad campaign that you mentioned has has been um uh, more successful than anticipated, I'd yeah. probably say um so yeah we we're, we're now at two hundred thousand new customers a month um or or more
1: and what is it about monzo that what 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 is causing this rise is it it's something different and new or is it you know it really is scratching that itch that a lot of people feel
0: I, th- I think it's a combination of customer service that's like so good people tell their friends about it G- genuinely really really great customer service that you can access without having to make a phone call you can call if you want to but most people just um, use the chat function in the app and then that it helps people get much closer to their money so the fact that whatever you spend it or um, it'll help you keep track day by, day by day. You can do budgeting directly in your in, in your app, so you don't know how, you can say how much you want to spend, and it will tell you whether you're on track or not. Helps you keep track of what committed outgoings you've got, so your direct debits. It tells you all the time, like you can't actually spend this 500 quid because it's it's coming out at the end of the month with your water bill and these
1: other things. So it's kind of how you're describing it is kind of like your buddy, your money buddy, who's kind of like going, whoa there busy just calm it just <laughs> doing something else here and I think I need one there <laughs> yeah I think but you can see why that's an attractive thing for, for people and also sometimes with banks we don't like talking to humans about our financial situation because we're scared of what the judgment and all of that whereas if you've got a little something I'm not going to call it a person because it's tech <laughs>
0: And okay. I'm not. I'm not quite there. And but, and a lot of the time you are talking like you get help. From yeah. Them, so it is a person. But you know what I mean. You're chatting with them in text. So it's. But you uh, what I mean is you get,
1: Yeah. You're you're getting that slightly. You you feel like you're more in control, and if you've got this setting, your you know your own, criteria of what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to yeah. do, and I'm doing this, it is that nudge of. It's those nudge behaviours that will actually in the long term make you better saver or get you back in control of your money, which for a lot of people I think is a big issue. Like yeah. Not feeling in control of money can cause so much stress.
0: And even just not being able to see your money. I think the, all the different websites you have to log into to understand your balances or worrying that you're going to miss paying a bill or those kind of things stress people out as well. So some of, some of it seems to just be helping people have better visibility and more instant um, understanding makes a big difference. And I think the the team here have done a really good job of kind of financial education, but Mm -hmm. in a really, what, I think the tone of it's really wonderful. It, I'm, I'm every, in my friendship circle, I'm everybody's sort of boring friend who knows a lot about personal finance. I'm, I'm <laughs> call, call when they need help figuring out what mortgage they should get. or I'm sort of about, about that with you, aren't I? <laughs> not,
1: not about the mortgages. No, not about mortgages, <laughs> but
2: about what to do with money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've got you know fr- friends who ask, ask me to help them with their tax returns and that kind of stuff. And so... Um,
1: Oh lo- my God I'm so sorry
0: <laughs> I, I, I actually quite enjoy it I'm good at I, it's where the AI thing came from yeah I like complex systems um, so so it's, it's been interesting actually seeing the the sort of social media side of, of Monzo is really interesting of explaining concepts that people even some some really standard concepts people don't truly understand and it's tough. When they're always explained in these very sort of dry, um, long, long-winded ways, yeah. and so you know, the content team here did an interesting thing recently where they only used the most common, um, most common thousand words maybe or yeah. like whatever to, to explain some uh, important things, and it was it was a really interesting exercise to see how many complex words are required to talk about even really simple things like interest or um, loans and how they work.
1: So, do you think you're almost the, the, the term humanising is maybe a little bit too broad, but you're making it real to people in Make their it more accessible, accessible yeah. yeah. And do you think that's so? Where where do you think that's where you're disrupting it, or where else are you disrupting?
0: I think it being like a genuinely enjoyable um, kind of user experience is part of it. The customer service being genuinely really amazing. There's not. Many banks I've dealt with previously, where I'd have been like so excited to tell someone about the customer experience <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, that I'd that I'd had, um, and then I, I think the team here also just doing amazing work um, in terms of features people need. You, you know, splitting your bill with the people you just went out to dinner with is two tabs. Um, keeping track of a shared tab for your holiday together or you live in a shared house and you need to keep track of the bills. There's a feature for keep for half a dozen people to all keep track of the things they're collectively responsible for. Um, and the I think they're the kind of features that you get by having a different demographic thinking about banking than maybe we've seen in the past. So a lot and in Venice that was a criticism early on as well. It was I uh, suppose overly London and millennial and techie focused in yeah. the very early days, but that was a really useful cohort of people to learn from and to build things for, and it's really good that we've now broadened that out much more, but there's, not everybody would have had people who would have found it to be like a personal need that they needed to like keep track of mm-hmm. household bills together, um, there's... and and share them out between a set of housemates who aren't related to each other.
1: So thinking about the, 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 you know, you mentioned the demographics and that those, so is it for everyone? Is it going to be applicable to the baby boomers as it is to the Gen Xs and the
3: Gen Zs and the millennials and all of these
1: titles that sort of just basically the mashup of the the society? I would use it very differently, I guess, because I'm not in a shared house and things like that, but I'm guessing that there would be applications for me that would be appropriate for me. So how do you how do you educate the people that might not be used to that kind of banking? You know, there's there's some really hardwired, aren't we? We're hardwired to go, no, I've got to have a bank that's this this and this, and like the only way I can speak to somebody is through waiting 55 minutes on the end of a phone, and all of these things. Yeah.
0: So a huge amount of Monzo's growth has actually been um, by people evangelizing and recommending to their yeah. friends, <laughs> and that's that's been quite interesting because. Uh, Something's happened recently with the ad campaign. We're getting some users who aren't friends of existing Monzo customers. And they have a different onboarding experience because existing. when you come in as a referral or you've come and found us having never seen an ad or anything but somebody told you about us, you already are sold on some of the benefits. You know about yeah. POTS, which is ways of... Um, you know, basically having your money separated out into into different buckets and keeping, you know, you're saving for holiday over here. You're keeping for your insurance bill that's coming later this year over here, and and that kind of stuff. And so, it's been quite interesting seeing the difference in feature discovery between different types of customers. Um, but I think in general people people aren't delighted with the current state of their of their banking that, that you describe, and so people do want to find ways to, um, to to do things to do things better. Um. Absolutely, our intent is to make money work for everyone, and the everyone is in in that mission yeah. for, a, for a good reason. We're seeing the same thing, uh, interestingly, that we saw with Facebook. Um, that sorry, that the industry saw with Facebook, right? That you had um, a bunch of uh, a bunch of college kids basically in the in the beginning, and then actually one of one of the things that happened with Facebook was um, their parents. Got really into yeah. it at the point that yeah. they retired and they had a bit more time yeah. and they wanted to find you know long lost school friends or whatever else. And so we're seeing a little bit of the same kind of um, pattern where people recommend it to their to their parents, their, their their and and people who've got a bit more time or frankly when you're maybe when you retire and you're on a bit more of a fixed income, you're more interested in really good budgeting and really keeping track of where of where you're at. And so you're you're seeing the sort of topping and tailing. But it, it also with two and a half million customers, we're a fairly broad um, set of age demographics now, now as well.
2: <laughs> and I find it really interesting that you sort of compare it to sort of Facebook in some ways, uh, because um, lots and lots of people my age don't use Facebook anymore. Mm. It's sort of grown, I think, and had its life and, and sort of moved on. Um, and I wonder because. The thing so for full disclosure, I'm not with Monzo uh although i've I've been following you for years, but it's that uh it's that almost like it's that fear of the new and the unknown, I guess in some ways, and uh I will admit that you know I keep track of I'm very good at keeping track of my own finances anyway, and I use lots and lots of different banks and bank accounts anyway um. For to, to sort of protect the money um, but I try not to actually keep that much money around um, but I wonder if you know because I think Monzo at the moment is only available to over 16 year olds am I correct in saying that?
0: I'd have to double check to be sure but it sound, sounds like yes
2: yeah I want to say it's over 16 because I want to yeah. say when I first heard about it I wasn't actually old enough to get, yes. get that um, and I don't know if that's changed but um, I'm wondering do you see um, with the generation coming up, do you see them being able to, you know, being adopting Monzo in the future?
0: Um, I, I think so, but I think we'll also continue to try to represent them well mm-hmm. in the workplace to build the features that they'll need, same as we need to build the features that every, um, like, stage of life needs, every different kind of living situation needs. We, we started out very I suppose, focused on things that were mostly relevant to urban young professionals. It's now a much broader product and you, and you build that up over time. I think being... I can't think of anybody who doesn't want to make their money work for them. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a... Unless there's a generation that will decide that like a completely money-free society is, uh, is what they want, in which case larger global changes <laughs> will be happening. Yeah. <laughs> but... Which I think while we, while happens, we have but... money with people or... or you know and. Money's just an advanced system of barter at the end yeah. of the day. Right? Like I, don't think, I don't think humans have had a society that doesn't, didn't have something that was basically currency in some way. Um, so I, I think that need is a universal need. Um, mm-hmm. How you meet the need differs by the specifics, I think.
1: One of the things that you must be also considering, though, is if you are coming in disrupting and you are onboarding you know tremendous numbers now um it might not be their it might not be their main bank account so it might not be where their salary goes into however in time i imagine when they start using you and start really you know getting those benefits they will shift over how do you think um the the you know the other banks are going to respond are they are you seeing some stuff around that already are they yeah yeah
0: and to be honest if if some of the challenges existing means that banking in general gets better for people, then that's a positive outcome, I think. So um, we're not worried about that happening. We think it's a benefit to customers and consumers everywhere if things get better. So we've, we've seen some other banks uh, even name it POTS and start having that concept <laughs> in, their, in, their, in their things. There was a um, well a famous incident where a design agency claimed to have redesigned an app of a. Major bank I won't mention. I but remember just, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> app, which was not not their finest moment. They, they did retract it. As <laughs> yeah. to the banking question, it hadn't been solicited by them. I think I, I think there was something something odd going on there. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Uh, a rising tide lifts all boats yeah. right so i think if we if there are things that we're doing and starling's doing and N26 is doing that mean that in general banking becomes more accessible and more useful and more modern then that's a additional good outcome i don't and think and it shows
1: so. you're doing something right yeah, yeah, you're on the right track and people are
2: copying it so it's a good, yeah, and a, good a good thing so
1: <laughs> you've grown as a company i think you it's a thousand
0: yeah, around a thousand employees. A thousand
1: employees. And how long has that taken? Has um, it been the four years, or has it been? It's, it's
0: more exponential. Yeah, that. so that's what I was going to say. Is it like? Yeah. So I can't remember exactly how many there were when I when I joined um, a year ago. But I, but I know in engineering, so that like, we announced I was going to join Monzo late June last year, yeah. twenty eighteen. There were about fifty engineers the day that we announced it, and by the fourth of September there were a hundred, and by today there's a couple of hundred. So we've. The engineering team has gone 4x in a, in a year, basically.
1: How do you manage that? Because most organisations, you know, they hit, maybe they'll, like, they'll feel like they've hit the 150 and they're scaling up and it's taken them 10, 5, 4 years to do that. And they think, yeah, we're doing great. How on earth do you manage that process and onboard people and get them, you know, ready and actually keep the company going at the same time? merry so i think
0: it it, it's easy to describe but difficult to do i suppose is what i'd say so you really invest in onboarding because people's kind of mean time to productivity how long until they can be independently productive really matters so if you if it takes three months someone to get to get useful then some ways they're a drain on their team until those three months are up so making that time period of onboarding as short as possible. There's a brilliant um, learning and development team here and they've done a a lot to make our kind of company onboarding a really positive experience and a really um, well structured and and well executed. We obviously also have some need to put people through some um, regulatory related training and that kind of stuff to make sure that's done well matters to us. And so you focus on onboarding, you get mean time to productivity um, there, you invest in people management, because if people are in a very rapidly changing and growing environment, then it's pretty tough if you don't have someone helping you to develop. And then largely it's about helping people either match their own personal development to the to the rate of growth of the company, or to make it safe for people to step off the um, the rocket ship, I suppose, like how if somebody isn't going to be able to level up as quickly as their area or their team or their role is, then how do you make it safe for them to go, I, I I think I can do what I'm doing now, but I don't think I can do what's needed in three months and actually rewarding people when they say, hey, I think you need to hire my boss. I think you need to, we need to get somebody with a bit more mm-hmm. um Depth of experience or breadth of experience, or we need somebody who's got specific financial services experience.
1: So in that, there must be it must be hugely important to have to also have a listening exercise back of those people you're onboarding to learn from them and listen to them, which isn't always again very easy when you are scaling fast and you need things to happen rapidly. Do you do you function in small teams? I'm interested to like how does this how does it
0: work? Pretty much everywhere is teams of eight to twelve, and we are now also organized into they're called collectives but they're basically verticals which are um a set of multidisciplinary teams um the only one that's bigger than a 150 which is the sort of known as dunbar number it's the number of people an individual can maintain yeah. relationships mm-hmm. with um, not sure all the science of that is rock solid but <laughs> it's, it's there around it, right it's here, a useful yeah. heuristic anyway um, the, the only one that's bigger than that is our customer ops um, we're just Obviously, that the number of customer ops folks uh, scales in line with the number of customers. So, um, with millions of customers, there's there's four or five hundred, I think, at this point, um, customer ops folks, and that that they are still organised into sort of pods, which are um, sets of people. Um, To your point about uh, listening exercise, we have a a pretty good culture of open feedback. Um, People give a lot of feedback to their um, to their peers, to their manager, and, and, and so on. Not just at review time, not just twice a year or whatever, but on an ongoing basis. Um, we use a survey tool to check the um, engagement and health of, of employees where I've, I've been at a lot of companies where that's a once a year exercise. Here it's every fortnight. Um, wow. People asking, what's going on? What do you need? How do you feel about your everything from compensation to working environment to your role? Um, and tracking that and then acting on it uh, is a key part of what managers do.
1: You go into organisations and companies and you just have to sit and listen to your mates as well. The number of people who are unhappy with not being heard, not being listened to, feeling that they're being, you know, um, l- ignored. And also the fear of actually saying, I don't think this is working. This is Because of the fear of, of being told, you know, that's how we're going to do it. And if you don't like it, you know, you do get people, you know, in organisations, they say, don't like it. That's it. I imagine that that is quite refreshing for a lot of people coming in. Do they tell honestly at the beginning or is it like after? Because every two weeks, I imagine in the end, you will start to speak quite honestly. Because if you know <laughs> that, realise that you yeah. don't have to. <laughs> so have you seen Have you seen some of the responses change? Have you seen responses come in and you kind of like... There's definitely uh, a... Yeah. Uh, uh, Halo
0: effect or honeymoon period yeah. or whatever, like, but I think that's true everywhere. Yeah. People having just taken a job, that's when they're most positive about it, and <laughs> maybe and, and know, the least that experienced right? it, yeah. Um And that's uh, that's that's fair. So, so we we definitely see a bit of a, a one of the ways we slice the data is by how long somebody yeah. somebody's been here. You see some different themes um, based based on that, but they're all useful. Right? All that data yeah. is is useful to have and to and to act on. The other thing that's quite Different about Monzo, and it, there's a lot of places that say that they're very transparent. Mm-hmm. But um, as someone who's probably uh, had worked in quite a lot of different organisations, I was sort of shocked and surprised, but, uh, but really delighted with how true it was here. So there's really not many thousand-person companies where I think the CEO still t- stands up every week and takes any question that Which anybody is tremendous. Wants to ask. That's um, huge. And they... Can ask anonymously if they want to, but most people choose to put their name to the question. Um, Tom's particularly good at just answering very honestly anything that anything that he can. Um, I think the only thing I've seen him not answer in my entire time here was something that was really related to somebody's personal circumstances. So somebody asked like, who sold some of their shares in one of the the rounds, and he went, "I'll tell you exactly what I did, but I'm not going to tell you about anybody <laughs> else." So. Yeah. But again, somebody. CEOs saying w- whether they had sold any of their options is quite a, quite a big thing, and then anything where there's a um, a legal requirement to um, keep confidential, which tends to be around um, money laundering or yeah. some other kind of financial crime
1: uh, issues. So, okay. so so by the sounds of it, this is a you know this is a slightly different place to work from your yeah. experience. Yeah. Is that because of the the CEO? Is it is it because of his vision, or is it because of the people that he's got around him as well? You know, it has to come. It surely this has to come from the top.
0: It it, it absolutely does, and I, I think it's a um, combination of the not just Tom, but the the original founders who are yeah. still in the business, and that in particular the default to transparency being a kind of core thing that everybody valued. Um, one thing I really like here that they've done for a long time is people will stand up in all hands and do a, it's called, it's called how to Monzo, which is like, this is how we do things here. And so somebody, uh, one of the ones I uh, remember very fondly, uh, head of research, stood up and just said, many of you may not be in the kind of role where you have to concentrate for really long periods. You may not have heard about the maker and manager schedule, let me do two minutes educating you about it. So now you know if you're booking time with an engineer or a designer or a researcher or um, a product manager or, you know, what, people who, frankly, also like accountant, anybody who needs, like, quite an extended period of time to get into something in detail, then book the meeting at far away from their biggest block of time. Don't see four hours free in their diary and take something in the middle of it. You've just broken up their focus time. Do Do it at the beginning or the end or... Before lunch, after lunch. Mm-hmm. And the fact that anybody can stand up and do that kind of like, here's how we do things here, um, I think is really good. Another nice example, there's a um, there's a bot in our Slack. Um, almost everything is Slack here. There's yeah. a little email. Um, but there's a bot in Slack that if somebody says, guys, and is clearly meaning it as like, hey guys, it goes, we don't do that here.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: Please use a more inclusive term. And it links to a little explanation about why. So if it's a conversation you've never been a part of, then, um, then you're at least sort of guided through why it's nudging you that way. Um, but the number of women and non-binary folk who, who work here who've told me that the first time they saw that, it made them go, oh, I do belong here. Yeah. Is, it really matters, I think.
1: It, 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 that's very, very clear in the fact that, I mean, you are very, very well known for your ideas and views and also practical ways in which organizations can, you know, be diverse in a, in a meaningful way, not just in a, a, a you know, a tick box exercise. How do you ensure there's diversity within your teams? And, and because you, you're, you know, with the technology, we know that if it's built by a narrow group of people, well, we, we hope people understand this by now, let's put it <laughs> that way. You know, the, the, the conversation still seems to be going round and round. But how do you ensure that, like that bot saying, guys, how do you ensure that those things aren't hardwired into some of the stuff that's developed? It's
0: one of the few places I've joined where there hasn't been a massive uphill battle on some of those topics. I think the early team understood and cared about some of those, some of those topics. And before I ever worked here, Jonas, who was one of the founders, who was CTO before me, he would come and ask me advice on some, some things like, like this kind of stuff because he genuinely wanted to engineering in particular to be inclusive. I mean, he was very aware of the the, the broader issues in, in the industry. And so I think it helps that people have been thinking and caring about it for a while. Um, I think it also helps that people, many many folks are like, this is the favourite place they've worked, but we're fairly clear-eyed about still having work to do. So if you read our latest DNI report, um, there'd be some places where they'd be over the moon with some of the stats in there, and we're going... We're happy we're here but there's still we're still, we, still, yeah. still yeah. work to do. We're in the middle of hiring a, a full time DNI lead actually and we're somebody I was at an event and somebody told me that uh, we're the only unicorn to have a person that that is hiring a person who'll be fully dedicated to, to diversity and inclusion, which shocked me a bit. It feels like we shouldn't surprise me that we were the we were the first for that.
1: And why is it such why is it still so new? You know, why is it still such a no it, it, why is it still such a struggle for some organisations, Mary, yeah. to get this? When you and I and everyone, Brandon, we all, everyone here understands it. And when you have conversations with people, they get it. Why is it still such a challenge for some organisations, and not just some? So many surprising organisations. What is it about it, do you think, that stops them from going? Ah, oh, you know, we need to be doing this. Not need to. We must. I think
0: people have focused on diversity rather than inclusion and I think um, just adding people who are different and making no adjustment to how they, getting no value out of how they are different because you will make no adjustment to how you think or work or act or make decisions Mm -hmm. is not very helpful. Um, And I think very honestly a lot of people still think Um, they buy into this bullshit about needing to lower the bar in order to hire a broader range. And you don't get to that, because people know it's not acceptable to say out loud, mostly, anymore. But when you really dig into it with some people, that's really what their issue is. And they don't understand that they can't see the people who never apply. And so the, the set of people that they see applying is not a true... Cross section or indication of the talent that, that's available. When um, and so so I suppose you asked me a very broad question, which is mm-hmm. like, how do you how do you fix this, Mary? I mean, particularly you, Mary, who we are. And you know, my my role here is is CTO, so I, I'm not uh, I'm not uh, doing DNI for, for for Monzo. It's not it's not my core focus. Obviously, I I believe that being a leader is about making sure that the. Team that's most likely to succeed is there, and the teams that are most likely to succeed are are diverse. They're representative Mm -hmm. of the the customers that they're trying to serve. They bring those different viewpoints together. But I think people do they 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 focus too much on oh we just need we need to tick some boxes. We need some diversity in here. Let's just add some diversity. And the reason that those teams I mean, there's research shows they're more creative. They're more likely to um, outperform financially. there's a stat that um, boards with um, women on them, uh, the companies are 30% less likely to go bankrupt. I think what a lot of people haven't faced into is that it helps because it's difficult, not because it's easy. It's not like somebody turns up and it's different, and they yeah. they they spread sparkling different dust onto everything, and all <laughs> the decisions suddenly get better. It's because when you have a set of people who maybe their defaults would be quite different from each other the process of getting to an aligned decision and an aligned way of working and all this kind of stuff that's that's where the magic happens i suppose and so it's it's kind of it's not valuable because it makes things easier it's it's valuable because it makes things harder but working through the ways in which it's harder leads to stronger decision making better action more robust businesses more creative outcomes and i think that's what people don't understand and then creating that environment in which you can attract and um, recruit and retain and develop and advance a whole load of different people who can go. Yeah, someone like me can be successful here. That being able to go, I can be myself and I can do well here is a, a really big thing. I suppose one of the challenges with intersectionality of you know when people are multi diverse in, in in a way, right and um, I joke, right? I'm the I'm the one the Daily Mail warned you about. I'm I'm a, I'm a woman working in tech. I'm an immigrant with a job, which I think is worse than if I were, you know, living off the state. But I have to check the headlines regularly to be sure. And I'm and I'm gay, and I'm godless, and I'm disabled, and uh, I'm neurodiverse, and uh, you know, my and my wife's British. So I'm literally over here stealing your women and your jobs. Um, but so I'm in many of these kind of overlapping categories right and so i'm different in a in a lot of in a lot of ways and that's frustrating for some people and it gives me different perspectives on a bunch of stuff i mean i also grew up white in apartheid south africa so very aware of like undeserved and unasked privilege and i'm i'm cisgender so i'm not i'm not experiencing some of the difficulties but i think again people are too focused on just one dimension so they'll only care about gender or they'll only you know Pride Month, we suddenly care about the WTQ and we don't talk about it the rest of the year. And so I think that need to realise that all these layers of different experiences that people have really matter. And creating environments in which you can get the most out of that difference, the, that, it, that it's a, a feature, not a bug, mm-hmm. um, is quite difficult.
1: I just want to say, one as, as a gay woman myself, I've had so many different experiences working at different places. You know, there's been downright kind of like incredibly vocal, verbal homophobia at The at in the... Uh, that was kind of like in the mid-2000s, and you see things have to change, and they are changing, but you have to be... you. Were, I, I always thought I, I was the one that had to do it, you know, and what's shifted now a little bit is that I do feel that there are far more people who are understanding, not because... They think it's the right thing to do, but actually it just is. It just yeah. is. Does that make sense? Yeah. It just—it should be, this is how we should be. This is how we should treat each other. This is how we should be as
3: humans.
0: Yeah. And, it, and it's great to see that progress. Like, uh, but people forget that there are people who, who go, well, why is this an issue anymore? And I go, well, because in 2003 it was still legal to fire somebody for being gay. And it was only in 2006 that there were more places with same-sex marriage than yeah. death penalty for homosexuality. There's still countries all over the place with um, death, death yeah. penalty and so when people are like yeah. isn't this topic over i get very frustrated no, no, no. With it. in the same way as like racism isn't over no nah. i mean i wish it were yeah but it it's very real for people day to day still
1: but i, I think i'll say on that again is is you know my i i got married recently and my wife and I were going on our honeymoon at, at Christmas, and we had to decide where we wanted to go, not based on where would be the most romantic place for us to go. It's like, are we allowed to hold hands there? Yeah. Will we be, you know, do we want to go somewhere that maybe has a slightly more oppressive world view? Do we want to go there and because it's a beautiful place, or shall we just go somewhere where we're going to feel accepted and happy and we yeah. can be? And those are the things that you don't... not no you just you know you so don't that, that's when i realized that it's not over it is absolutely not over and one of the one of the
0: interesting things i think about this this thing about being being different and the the toll that it takes on people is stonewall did research years ago now that said um, people could be 40% more productive if they felt able to be yeah. out of work be themselves at work and that's a big stat that's like 2 days extra work right and it's not like everybody was... LGBTQ and in, in the closet was like getting fired for not doing their job <laughs> right so they are putting a lot of extra effort in in order to to, to still perform at, at their at their role but the the reason for it was very interesting it was that there was so much energy expended in never mentioning their partner's gender not talking about or not feeling safe to talk about what they've done at the weekend all of the, all of these different things and if you think about it that that's true not just for LGBTQ if you if you're from a really expressive and country culture, and you work in the UK, the way you have to tone down yeah. how you interact, how you speak, whether you fling your hands around when you... Uh, I say as someone who flings their hand around a lot <laughs> when explaining things, um, like there are all these adaptations that you have to make. And we all have to adapt to some extent. You, you want to be the best professional version of yourself, right? But I think this thing that happens where people feel that they have to put so much energy into fitting in, and that adds up the more intersectional you are, the more you're part of multiple different yeah. categories. If you're the youngest and the first Muslim working in this office and you're the one who has to go and ask where you can pray safely yeah. and where it's okay to and and, and that kind of stuff. I, that All of that additional energy of handling how people are going to react, a lot of people don't think about, do you have to check the laws of every holiday yeah. destination yeah. that you're considering? But- but it's a tax that you that you have it's, to pay if you're that um, you don't get to choose. You have to no. pay if you're if you're in even, a relationship that will be disapproved of. Right? Yeah,
1: even even you know, like just it, as you say, it, and it can be exhausting. You decide who do I say I'm I'm married, and then when they go, oh, what's his name? Yeah. You kind of go, well, it's Holly, and, yeah. and then you have to work <laughs> through that whole kind of like you see them kind of like. But often, I mean, I have to say now. I have much, you know, nearly 100% of the time, they don't check themselves to kind of like go, What I mustn't say something like ridiculously awful now. It's more like they're just realigning their heads to it. So I get that. I understand it. But it is that you have to decide. You choose. Who am I going to share this with today? Do I feel safe enough to share it with it? Do I feel brave enough? Often is the case, and that's just something that becomes part and parcel. And it's and it is actually quite knackering.
0: And am I am I ready for the worst possible reaction? Yes,
1: and you have to imagine what's the worst possible. Not everything's going to be fine. So so that's you know that's 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 something that if in a workplace you can take all of that away, my goodness, you would be absolutely flying in a place like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm really interested because we're going to have to wrap it up soon because we're getting close to the (laughs) forty-five minute mark, but. (laughs) I'm interested. So, with the current generation coming up, which is my generation, we're obviously seeing that um, they're a lot more of a diverse generation. They're a lot more of a connected generation. Are you optimistic of uh, of them going into the workplace and changing things? Because I mean, Lizzie and I have spoken about experiences that you had when you were younger, and um, although uh, you know I'm not denying that they still happen, I think that the frequency uh, I, think, I think there is a big difference in the youth yeah. of today.
0: I'm very hopeful on some aspects and, and less so on, on others. I think particularly mm-hmm. in the UK there's a lot still to be done and facing the, um, the, the racist legacy of the empire, I suppose. Like a lot of yeah. uh, someone who does a lot of LGBTQ work, a lot of the reality of many of those countries that have death penalty still. It's because... Britain changed the attitude towards homosexuality when they colonised. Um, so I think I think there's some things which are which are different. I think in general, um, the kind of coming generation is is very um, much more open, much more able to access information. Um, I've been really delighted to see a lot more, a lot better representation in young adult novels, and so like even the media that's being consumed is more uh, inclusive. And there's a lot more. Representation on TV. There's a lot. It, there's a lot more. Um, yeah, this was interesting characters and and that and that kind of stuff. I think on some topics it's hard to not see that we're backsliding. If you look at some of what's happening in the U.S., there's some there's some stuff recently about the proportion of um, men of the youngest generation that. Um, expect a stay-at-home wife to look after them and there being an increasing desire for that um, which is a sort of troubling statistic and and in in the UK in particular I think we're not making the progress we need to on trans inclusiveness and trans rights and on racial inclusion and I, I think it it varies by location, and like central London's quite different to you know the middle of Shropshire. Yep. Um, but but I think I, I am I am hopeful. I think that there's a generation coming that didn't have so much information withheld or hidden from them uh, as others. And like a, a thing that made a massive difference for me as a as a teenager in apartheid South Africa was the internet happened and I could find, I mean, in fairness, when you're a young lesbian growing up in apartheid South Africa, the only, the only access to gay culture I had was Xena. Um, oh, we um, all had Xena. We all had Xena. And if you wanted to find other lesbians on the internet, Xena message boards were the way forward, which for people who are like post-Facebook um, probably sounds ridiculously Yeah, i okay. have a clue what um, you're on about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It was like Snapchat, but permanent. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I think that I think knowledge and access to information is empowering. I think people getting um, more of that is 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 very helpful. I'm really worried about how misinformation is being weaponized to radicalize people, and I think that's true of um, you know anti-trans sentiment on certain very high-profile parenting-focused websites. Um, (laughs) I think you know that there's a there's a there's a whole bunch of different issues like that, and I. I worry about us losing truth uh, or the ability to trust that information that's shared. And that's what I worry about. whether there's a whole, and it's fr- frankly, actually, I think the youngest generation are, or the, the, the up and coming generation, they're probably the most skeptical and the most able to see yeah. that. I was just about to say that. This, this, um, is,
2: this is what I see in marketing and shifts like that is that um, the amount of companies that I go into and they use the same strategy on millennials as they do on you know our generation, it's kind of hilarious and I'm like, you know, we can see straight yeah. through that. Um, that's why Facebook ads don't work as well and that sort of thing and, and it's it's very interesting to see that. Um and it's, it's going to be, I think I feel that my, I'm optimistic about my generation in doing that. Um, the statistic that I always find hilarious in America is the young people of America, um, over half of them are immigrants now. Um, they're losing the... Or from of,
1: immigrant families. They're, yeah, yeah. Well,
2: well, less than 50% of, um, of Americans that are young people are are white.
1: Um,
2: and I, I find that Because in fact, extremely... all the
0: white Americans are also immigrants. But I get your point, <laughs> it's and it's
2: really it, I find that really interesting. And it's it's you know I I, I lived in, and grew up in a completely different world um, to what you guys did, and the internet. You know, I guess you say in post Facebook era. Yeah. Um, I don't re- really remember a well before Facebook. Yeah. Um, and I think you know I'm always optimistic. Um, about you know the culture. I mean, when, whenever we do stuff, we we just came back from a conference all about children's media and um the absolute lack of diversity was completely apparent and uh, a group of us young people got a chance at the end to um to take to do a panel and uh, i think we spent a good sort of 10 minutes uh, out of the 30 talking about how um sort of whitewashed the entire room was okay. um uh, and, and and it was opened by nadia hussein who won Great British Bake Off and and she was yeah. talking about diversity and Lizzie and I we just looked behind yeah. us and it was I think out of one and a half thousand people there was you know maybe a handful of people that
1: the went, backgrounds yeah, from same yeah. backgrounds
2: and so I'm optimistic that the work will come but I think it is one of those where we'll, what our main point was it, and, and this is what really sort of strikes me about what you've said about Monzo is that you have to put the effort in yeah. to make Make it happen, it doesn't just happen by itself, mm. it's you've got to consciously go go ahead and you know yeah. make sure you're, you're
0: one of the things good. I was super proud of on, on joining was learning that we're um we happen to have had a number of trans engineers in the in the team from early on, and they've done a bunch of really great work to make it so mm-hmm. there are times when we have to use someone's like official legal name that because the regulations require it, but anytime we're able to use someone's. Preferred name that they or well, their real name, I suppose, but not their their dead name. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to do so, and so you're never going to get called the wrong name by a customer service agent here or or, um, or or similar. And it it's really interesting because you look on some um, forums, which I now know are not a internet uh, content <laughs> that, that are, are going to survive <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the next generation, right. but like you, you see people talking, and the the there are. Basically, people who are new in the UK tend to um, have Monzo recommended to them by by their by their friends or by other um, expats or immigrants. Um, I hate expat as a term; it's just so twee. Um, but and and then one other big group is is people who want to make sure that the right gender and pronouns are, are used, and that's a really specific, useful example. And I was so delighted to find that it was already the case because there was representation on the team, so it wasn't, and that's not to underplay that they did these particular engineers did great work they, they raised it, it was outside of their direct team, they went and made sure mm-hmm. that it happened but it shows you what having that better representation can, can do because it was not a um, thing that Maybe cisgender people would have thought of, or done, or executed well if they had thought of it, and so it was a really interesting thing where having that representation in the team made a massive difference to the the way the product evolved and how good it is for that particular demographic.
1: Which which comes back to a great product mm-hmm. is something that actually understands the communities and the customers that it's going to serve, and those customers and communities are going to be diverse, yeah. and they are going to have you know th- we are out of two and a half million customers. They're going to be. There's going to be a tremendous lot of yeah. difference. There'll be trends and there's that and usage and things like. that But actually, yeah. or if you,
0: you know, the, I think the companies that don't want to serve that really broad range of people are going to wither and die on the vine eventually. Yeah, because they will. the mm-hmm. world is getting more more diverse, not less, and more yeah. interesting, not not not
1: less. And and I think that also there's. A, a, there's a there's a there's a narrative around that there's something fearful around diversity and being inclusive. There's you know that kind of like we don't want to, it, It's a bit if you if you can some some people don't understand it. So therefore, if you don't understand it, it's scary and it's fearful and they you know it's going to change everything and we're still not going to be able to have you know cream teas and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, it comes down to once like with anything with any fear, if you face it and you explain it and you take away the teeth. Of it, which is usually they've put the teeth in themselves. It's just, it's just people, and it's life, and it's the world, and it's how we are, and we can't, we can't do anything but embrace it. There is no other option. Yeah,
2: well, it's just this idea of like discriminating against somebody has never ever played a part in my head ever. It, it still... Yeah, you
1: struggle. You struggle something. You like you. you, you I you struggle
2: said... to see why people don't just do it. Uh, that's the element that I struggle because um, I guess I've grown up in a world in some ways, maybe, you know, maybe it's changed in the past few years, but I've grown up in a world where it's just people of people.
0: And I, and I think that's valuable. I think one, one risk, though, is when people, there are people who go, I don't see colour. And the reality is, there's very few people of color who get to say I don't see color. Yeah. It's white people who get to yeah. say I don't see color, right? And I, I think that's the. So I'm not. I'm not. Um, I, I think it's wonderful to have a generation who judges people much more on who they are, yeah. and, and, and I think well, it's a very positive change to to see. But I think sometimes we we mistake treating everybody the same for equality. And actually, if everybody's on the same starting line, then you can treat everybody the same and as equal. But if the reality, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, there's a great video of a thing called Privilege Walk, where somebody reads out like advantages that you may or may not have had. So if you if you had both parents home, everybody starts on the starting line. If both parents were home to help with homework, they take a step forward. If they'd never had a night where they had to go to bed hungry, take another step forward. And then you stop at the end of this list of things and go, oh, shit, a whole bunch of people are 20 steps forward. And there's some people who are still on the line, or there's some of them where you take a step backwards. And, yeah. and there's people behind the line, and others are starting 20 ahead. And then you go, okay, treating this is not, is, yeah. treating everybody the same won't be treating everybody equally. Equality is about um, adjusting for the the differences in, in um, experience and advantages and, and, and so on. And I think that's the only that's the only caveat I have, right? It's like yeah. people people are people and we should recognize that there are systemic, socioeconomic, historical reasons. Like the fact if you're from a if you're from a demographic that was not allowed to own property, then your chance of having intergenerational wealth is very, very limited, right? Yeah. If, your, if your grandparents weren't if your grandparents were property, which frankly is the case for a shocking number of, of, of humans in the world today, then they had no chance to own something that they could pass on. That then and and that that intergenerational wealth is actually a huge driver of inequality in our, in our entire society, right? So I think it's just about going, yes, it's about Valuing people for who they are, but part of someone's value is that perspective that they can bring, and we mm-hmm. should we should actively value it rather than just sort of ignore it or tolerate it.
1: I yeah. Suppose. Mary, thank you so so much. Where can people find you?
0: Uh, me personally, yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, geek underscore manager uh, on Twitter, uh, and that's the that's the easiest way to find everything I'm involved in. Actually, just go to Twitter, geek underscore manager, and, uh, and my name is spelled weirdly, so I'm I'm pretty easy to find on the internet.
1: It's the, it's M E R I. Yeah, and obviously we just need to Google Monzo. <laughs> I mean at, at, at Monzo, and there's also uh,
0: there's also on Twitter um, making Monzo, which is the sort of behind the scenes. Oh, team, oh that's cool. The team doing stuff. Um, so. Mm more technical details of how we build stuff or exactly how the marketing team did the T V ads, that kind of stuff Oh, that would be really interesting. Main Monzo is where people ask for help or ask questions about the product. So awesome.
1: Well thank you Lizzie. Thank you, Brandon. Where can people find you?
2: runnerough.com.
1: You can find me at LizzieHodgson.com. But Mary, thank you so, so so much. much, And thank you for Monzo for giving us the time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Love this episode? Then head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.
3: We'd really appreciate that. Next time on the ZX Spectrum Podcast. I think cash is one of those things that people really seem to care about. Um, I mean, since I've taken over this role, it's become very obvious to me that it is something that people identify with um, as part of of their culture and their identity, and they really care about it. Um It's definitely true that people are spending less and less cash and using other forms of payment instead, but it's still the second most popular form of transaction method in the UK after debit cards, so it's still a really important part of the payments landscape. It accounted for 28% of transactions in, in 2018. Um, And there are actually a huge amount of people out there, so about 2 million people in the UK, who rely on cash predominantly for all their payments. You've been listening to the ZX Spectrum Podcast, a Studio B production.